Hello and welcome to the Scattered Abroad Joint Podcast. We're glad that you're with us for another episode. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and this is our fourth episode of the year, and today we're talking about with our communities. We ask that you don't forget about our social media, as well as giving us a rating and a review. That really helps us as we seek to try to, you know, continue on with the message of going into all of the world, preaching and teaching the gospel. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more opportunities we have to be seen by other people. If you have any questions or concerns, you can email us at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. And also, if you haven't yet, you can sign up for our email list, and you can do that at scatteredabroad.org. Today, as we're talking about this idea of our communities, we have four guests with us. We have Drew Suttles, Chase Green, and Josh Cantrell, and we're talking about a very important aspect of the work of the church, community. And it's not just community of the, the congregation itself. Every one of us, we're, we're all scattered abroad, and we're in different areas of the world, and we have a community that we're involved in, and we know of people that are in there that need the gospel. And today what we're talking about is not just about the church community, but we're talking about the communities that we're involved in on a regular basis. So let's talk about the Great Commission and how that command is, you know, for us today specifically, Mm -hmm. just as much as it was back in the first century. Some people have seen the book title, Go Ye Means Go Me, and they say, well, no, that, that was specific to the apostles. So is it truly a command that is for us, or was it just specific to the disciples? Well, really, the wording is something I always think about. Great. It's not minor. It's not, you know, it's very important. It's great. And it's commission, not suggestion or omission. Uh, Jesus says, go into all the world. Yes, in that specific context, he's talking to the apostles. I think you look at Mark's account, you have some of that language, and you've got to make sure you understand that's the apostles. But this point is timeless. It's if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you are to go and do what he says. I think it goes back to, to Luke six forty six. How do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Jesus here says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So if we're going to call him our Lord, then certainly that applies to us. Well, in the, the Matthew account, Matthew 28, uh, he says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing yeah. them, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, apostles. Mm-hmm. So right. if, if we by extension, down through the centuries, have been taught the same things the apostles were taught, then we are to do the same thing, which is to evangelize as well. That's right. How's the world going to respond to a gospel they never hear about? Mm -hmm. Right. And then in Acts chapter 2, continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the apostles' doctrine, evangelism, and thus what they Christ told them, we have that today as far as that goes. If you believe that the Great Commission does not apply to anyone but the apostles, then the church dies Mm. Uh, yeah. once the apostles die. That's and that's, right. that's, that's cool. clearly not the case. Right. And it puts the dependence upon a group of people that the entirety of the New Testament never puts that dependence upon. Right. Mm-hmm. It's always about Christ. You know, that's why Paul would say in multiple cases, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. You know, when he talks in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you guys are going around saying that you're of Apollos and you're of Cephas and you're of Christ. It, it, how does that work? You know, explain yeah. to me because I don't remember dying for you. Uh-huh. I don't remember Apollos doing that or, or Peter doing that. And there's this importance that's always put on, you got to go back to the right source. And I love what Cantrell said when he pointed out that Acts chapter 2 tells us that it is a great commission for all of us. Right. Because continuing in their doctrine, we mentioned in episode 1, continuing in their doctrine means that they followed what they taught. Right. And then they taught others. And they went about going into synagogues and other things into their community. Mm-hmm. Well, look at Acts chapter 8. You see that oh, those that right. were scattered abroad went everywhere right. preaching the word. Mm-hmm. And if you go back up to uh, the first verse or so, 
it tells us that the only ones that were not scattered abroad were the apostles. Mm-hmm. So we know that the ones that were scattered abroad preaching the word were just everyday Christians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you you stop and think about that for a second. Where did they go? You know, Paul, for example, Paul spent much of his time going to the synagogues mm-hmm. and speaking with people and studying with them there. Almost every time he went to a city, he went to the synagogue. Yeah. Anybody want to just kind of talk for just a moment about why that seems to be so significant? Because I know they didn't believe everything that, you know, was being taught by the apostles. So why go there first? Well, I think it goes back to meeting people where they're at. Paul did it literally. Mm -hmm. This is where people are going to be gathered. We're going to go find them. And I I mean, that's that's pretty important for us today, too. Right. I think about Acts 1 verse 8, but you should receive a power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You should be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most part of the earth. And that pretty much is also a verse talking about the Great Commission as well. Well, how is that going to go about? Well, we have to go, and of course we know in Acts chapter 4, persecution takes place, and that kind of spreads and makes the gospel go out even further as well. Yeah, and you, you stop and ask the question this. What is more likely when you study the Bible with somebody? If I go find an atheist and I try to study with him, Am I going to have as much of an immediate success as if I go find the religious man and study with him? And I think that's also a part of why they went to the synagogue. Mm -hmm. They believed in a God. They believed in the God of heaven in many cases, just not the same God that we read about in the New Testament. They needed to be helped in that. Mm -hmm. And when they go to where the people are, you're meeting them at their religious understanding, and you can showcase, hey, we have a lot of similarities here. You may not believe everything that I believe, but let me let's let's study about that. Let's talk about that. And much success came from them going to the synagogues. Sure. I I think to our detriment at times, we have declined to go to some of these other buildings that are in our areas and mm-hmm. speak with them. And we focused more on the people who are not even churched, mm-hmm. and they're not even in the church. We we spend all of our time talking about door knocking and all these. There are assemblies in our all of our communities that are religious minded that believe in God. And they are the exact place that Paul would have gone. Yeah, that's right. true. Well, and, and we agree with them on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. There's plenty that we disagree with right. them on too. But if we if we find what we do agree on them, agree with them on, we can uh, talk about those things and then set and then teach them the further things where there's discrepancies in belief. Well, is that not Acts 17 <laughs> when Paul yeah. said, yeah, "I perceive right. that you're very religious." That's right. Uh, he, I love the first word of that sermon is God. He established that. That's right. Yeah, but mm-hmm. like you said, yeah. they're worshiping God they didn't know. Yeah. They needed to hear about the true God of heaven. And he said to them, essentially, you know, just in case you miss somebody, you <laughs> said to the unknown God, you know, yeah, right. here are all these gods. We might have missed someone. He said, that's the one you need. Mm-hmm. And he he pivoted off, he, or he launched off of their, you know, religious beliefs and said, I know you're religious. I love that point. That's, that's yeah. perfect. And that's what we need to be remembering is so many of our people in our community are already, you know, halfway there in many cases as far as they believe in a God of heaven, they believe that the Bible is his word, we just need to punch it into the end zone for a mm-hmm. touchdown. Right, that's right. And it, it's a lot easier if you if you told a defense, all right, we're going to give you the choice. You can you know recover a fumble at the one-yard line and give the offense one yard to score, or you can intercept the ball at the other end of the field at the one-yard. What do you think most of them would say? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get it at the one-yard line because that's going to give us a better opportunity to score. Right. And as a football fan, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a player – Go for the interception. I'm thinking, you just lost yardage just because you wanted to get an interception. And sometimes in life, I think that the church is doing the same thing. We're losing ground 
simply because we, we want to die on the hill of door knocking alone. Mm-hmm. And door knocking is important. It needs to be done. And I'm thankful for the area-wide door knockings that take place and the, sure. the, you know, the importance that house-to-house, heart-to-heart is put on that. But there are a ton of churches. And if our, if our congregations have a service, which is like a church-eat church, then we have an evening service where one of us could easily go and sit in the audience that night and just say, well, I'm the preacher at the local congregation down here, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Maybe you see some kid that you know that you coach in the community or that you've seen. Maybe you're able to say, hey, can I take you all to dinner tonight? And you start up with that opportunity, and it's all about being involved in the community. When I was in local work, I joined the Parks and Rec Board, mm-hmm. and that was a you know, a fun experience to be involved in the community in that way. And so once a month, you know, or multiple times a month, I'd be in a meeting room with other people talking about the matters of my town with Parks and Rec. And it gave me an opportunity to meet more individuals. I coached flag football. At the end of every season we had at our congregation's building, we had my team come, the elders paid for food, and we had a dinner for all of them. We did a little fancy banquet-type deal, you know, where we did stories. We gave out some little trophies and things. And then we had, what, an easy opportunity to say, now, if y'all would like to come and worship with us on a Sunday, these are our meeting times, these are this. Right. And I think sometimes we, we, we struggle so much with being in the office and out of the office. And mm-hmm. it's like there's that weird balance of, I know when I did local work, it was really hard. Yeah. I need to be in the office, but I don't need to be in the office. I need to be studying for my sermons. I need to be out visiting. Mm-hmm. How do we balance that? That's a really, really tough balance. And, and you know, I just started my third year of local work, and I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, certainly, you want to pay the proper time to your study, and the elders make sure that you've got that time to study, um, and you want to spend that the right way. But our work is people. That's something we learned in school. That's something I try to remember. Your work is people. Uh, if you miss that, then you've really missed it. So sometimes we get caught up on the time, but we know that ministry is not a nine-to-five job. Right. It's around the clock. And it may be the case that I'm going to take this time to study, but, you know, this afternoon I'm going to get out. I'm going to go to lunch with a member, mm-hmm. or I'm going to go visit somebody. Uh, I think kind of going back to this episode Keeping the idea of scattering the state with our community, this keeps that priority up there where it needs to be. Yes, I'm spending time getting ready for Sunday, getting ready for Wednesday, but I've also got to think there are people who are lost right outside this door. I need to be out there reaching them. I go back to what uh, Brother Moser always used to tell us, and he says, folks, you can't baptize your computer. (laughs) And you're going to use that computer to uh, build sermons, to post on social media and things of that nature, and that's great. You You need to be in the office doing those sorts of things. But if all we do is, is get our sermons together mm-hmm. and we preach to people who are already saved and yeah. we never go out in the community where the, the lost are, mm-hmm. then uh, we're not fulfilling the Great Commission. Yeah, right. And I think all of us, you know, as preachers pretty much know that, you know, studying and, and preaching is important. But in the totality of what we do, it's such a small part yeah. of being a preacher because, like you said, people – is what matters. And, and, and Christianity, it's a movement, you know, it's not a museum, you know, it's not something you just kind of walk by and look at. It's a movement and it's constantly progressing and going forward and we need to treat it as such. Well, and I, th- I think about this statement that I've heard made before that we have to be careful that we're not Facebook's preacher yeah. and that we're not Instagram's preacher, that we're our local congregation's preacher. Yeah. And, and, and it reminds me so much of Nehemiah 
in the plains of Ono. Hey, come down here and meet with us. And he says, I'm not going there. Why would I go there? I'm doing a good work here. Oh, no. I'm involved in that. Yeah, I'm, Brother Bland always would say, oh, no, I'm not going to meet you at Oh, no. And you think about that idea of I'm focused on my work here. Mm-hmm. But at times there's so many people out there that it seems that they're more intent on making that you know, eloquent, eloquent social media posts. They've got to talk about what they've studied, what they figured out. And the question can be asked and, the, you know, the consideration of do we have a problem of people being more of the social media preacher mm-hmm. than they really do being the local preacher? Right. And but so we – go ahead. I was just going to say, what's your motive in doing that? And yeah. It, and it could be to, to kind of build that up and people see that, but, man, if that's all we're doing, that's – you know, we, we've got to do more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as we continue on with this study about going into the communities, we want to ask the question of what are some ways that we can get involved within our communities? And so, it, I mean, really, this could be the entirety of the episode <laughs> because the ideas are limitless in the, in the nature of it. But what are some ideas? And, and be specific to what you guys have done. I mentioned about being on a Parks and Rec board and serving in that way, uh, trying to be involved in as many different things like that as I could. Uh, but what are some good ways to be involved in the local community? I know for us, uh, I kind of walked into it um, at South Florida Avenue, something Hiram started, but uh, it's a program called, I, I told you guys about it, called Options for Women's, and pretty much, I know we went to a presentation, and they said, um, I guess now about a year ago, some 400 women um, decided not, you know, decided not to abort babies, so that's 400 wow. babies that, that are here today Amen. because of that program, and what we do is we kind of partner with them, and so if one of the young ladies come in, and they want religious counseling, they'll send them our way. And yeah, since I've been there, I think uh, I think one family was converted. Uh, they've had a lot of different Bible studies, but it's just a program that, that's, that was already instituted there that kind of just helps people understand the church more and gives them an opportunity to become more familiar uh, with who we are and what we do there. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think you need to have a presence at any type of county fair or mm-hmm. a festival, something of that nature, whether it be a, an evangelism booth, uh, maybe you can pass out free materials, uh, free water, free baked goods, you know, whatever the opportunity is. But get out there and you want to be visible. That's I mean, right. yeah. businesses, visibility is is a key metric to success. You've yeah. got to be visible. They have to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, people look at logos, and if they understand your logo as a business, mm-hmm. uh, that is going to help. But if it's confusing – uh, if it if it does not look professional or, or what have you, that's a, a major turnoff. Yeah. People need to see us, and we need to be visible out in the community, which that's means right. we're going to have to leave the church building. We're <laughs> right. going to have to go out. Yeah. Well, and I, th- I think about one of the best benefits to my time in local work was I got to know the mayor. And the mayor then asked me at times to lead prayers during their you know sure. board of mayor and alderman meetings. And then there I am as a minister of the gospel, able to then talk to other people about it. And we had some people— uh, actually come and visit as a part of that. And so there, it, there is that importance. Now, at, at Somerville, where I worked for five years, we did a lot of prison work, prison ministry. Um, and that was a very important part of that because it's going out and, and reaching an area that we couldn't normally reach. I think at the time that I left, we had over three or 4,000 Bible students enrolled into our Bible correspondence course program that's there and all of these types of things that are being done. But one of the things that I noticed that was done a lot that was very successful was the VBS. You know, you're, you're bringing in the children, of course. And VBS is not just about the kids. We, we tend to make it that, but we do kind of miss the mark if we don't sit there and ask the parents to come too because yes. I've heard the statement made before 
well, we got to get the kids because the kids will bring the parents back. Kids can't drive. Kids don't have a license. And if they eat, I don't care how much my son loves something. If I don't want to go and do it, we're not going. Right. He doesn't dictate my household. <laughs> now, maybe in the world we have a lot of kids that do that, but it's harder to get the kids if we don't have the parents. Right. And, yes, VBS is a wonderful work, and you can have a bunch of area-wide kids come in and, and be a part of that and do all of these wonderful things, Bible bowls, all of that type of stuff is great. But most of the time, we don't advertise very well. Yeah. We, we put something in the local paper. We put something on Facebook. And the thing about Facebook is you can target. Mm-hmm. You can target your area with the age group that you're looking for to see that ad and not spend more than just, a, you know, 20, 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. And you can have that whole thing run and you're going out into the community. And I know how house to house, heart to heart works is you get the mail outs into the people and then you're supposed to go and knock on the door and then show them a pamphlet that is house to house and say, you might have gotten our mailings. We're with the this Church of Christ in this area, you go down here. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things, you know, before Drew tells us some of the stuff that you think are a good idea that I would like to just mention is we used to do a lot more events for the community. Yeah. And I think maybe we got scared because a lot of the denominational world does that and we're worried that we're going to be lumped into the same thing. Like, no, we can't have a, you know, a, a bake sale or things of that nature, but we can't do a, a breakfast for firemen. Yeah, right. We can't have a breakfast for the police officer, especially in a smaller town. Yeah. You've got maybe 20, 30 firemen total. You can't make pancakes and bacon for them one Saturday morning and then have the opportunity to invite them to services. You can't go and, and have a soup kitchen, you know, once a month or something mm-hmm. for people from two to four or whatever. There's got to be ways to do more in the community than what we're doing now that we used to do. But, Drew, what do you, what do you got? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. We had a cookout for first responders last year, and it was a chili cookout and it was uh, the first of the year i think it was maybe january 2nd or 3rd and it was so neat to see all the firemen in our community and they turned the lights on sirens and they came to the building and everybody out was looking to see what happened and they all came and we got to pray for them specifically and thank them and feed them and we're hoping to do that annually yeah and that was really really yeah. awesome to see that uh but you mentioned newspaper if you haven't already, you can go to your well, – I'm in a small town in, down in South Georgia, and we just went – me and one of the members, we went walking around and passing out our business cards, and I came to the newspaper editor, and uh, she said, would you be interested in writing an article for our paper? I said, oh, absolutely. She said, I've got one spot available. I'd love to fill it, and it's free. And so I write wow. an equipment-free press, and my article is Spiritual Questions with Scriptural Answers. And I just take some questions that, that people hear – and I was at my son's ball game, and one of the men, he's a member of the denomination in the town, he said, man, I, I love your articles. I read them every week. Right. And that's free, and that's yeah. just something that you can do. And people in that area are going to read that article. Yeah. And it gives you an opportunity to spread the gospel through that way. But the last thing I want to share is look for opportunities because God is always opening those doors. Mm-hmm. Praise him in the hallway before you get to the door. But certainly he's going to open up doors. Uh, been privileged and blessed to work with Georgia Christian School yeah. down in Dasher, Georgia. I'm able to teach Genesis right now to middle school, and also I'm the head baseball coach for the varsity team. And now they don't just see me behind the pulpit. They see me on the ball field. Yeah. Right. And so you can get involved. And like you said, you can get the kids, their parents, build that trust and relationship. There are so many ways to get involved that can really help us with our communities to spread the gospel. Yeah. 
and it's all about success, but we need to define success properly. Right. right. We, God we, defined it. Yeah, just as he defined it when we talked about it in episode one, the mm-hmm. parable of the sower, success is not defined in how many people you bring to Christ. It's how many people you give the opportunity to. Absolutely. And the community, it, it really should never be said about any local preacher, but especially the local church, because preachers leave. Preachers move on to other works, and sometimes they need to move to another location, and something happens, and the church is left behind Mm -hmm. to continue the work that they're supposed to be doing. It should never be said that the church is not known by the community. One of the, you know, qualifications of elders is that they have a good report of those that are without Mm -hmm. of the body of Christ, and the part of the reason for that is they need to be known as good people because they're a big influence in coming to church and being a part of the body. Well, it's not just an eldership qualification. If the church has a bad, you know, name to it mm-hmm. because of some practice that it did, I've heard the story before of the new local minister who moved into the area. He went to the local grocery store, and as he was checking out, it said, do not accept checks from this man, and it was the previous preacher. Oh, wow. And he had wow. been writing bad checks, you know, and basically stealing. And this this community, mm. this community— mm has a problem. Yeah, it's damaging. And we've got to look at that and realize that what we do matters beyond the next preacher that comes in or the preacher that we had previously because if our church has a bad name, mm-hmm. it's going to be even harder. In the area that I preached last, we had a mayor that did some things that was a member of the church that wasn't good. Mm. And it is a big struggle for a lot of the people in that community to think of the Church of Christ in a positive way. Wow. But when I get an opportunity to go and meet them, when Ryan Manning would get an opportunity to go and meet them, they saw a difference in us. We weren't the exact same, and it helped us get certain people. But you'll never know what types of things happen providentially. You know, I mentioned in that first episode we did this year that I hit a deer. Yeah. Well, just as luck would have it, I walk into Enterprise, the wrong one, to pick up my rental, and I met a member of the church there. Wow. And they would just move to Oakland, Tennessee, where I lived. Mm-hmm. And he said, we've been driving out here to go to church. He said, where do you, where did you say you preach? And I told him, he said, where is that? And I said, it's about 10 minutes away from Oakland. They started going to Somerville. There you go. And it's not about stealing or poaching members, but it was this mindset of, I hit a deer, <laughs> and then I met somebody who was looking in my community for a congregation right. that was closer. Right. And the same thing can happen with people who are not in the church. Yeah. You know, you sure. never know who you meet and the, the relationships that you build. And if we remember about success and look at success properly— it's just about the opportunity. How many, how many, you know, thousands upon millions of dollars maybe has the church spent in advertising in its entirety, you know, entire existence, and only had, you know, a small amount of a response, and yet those millions of dollars probably by now that we've spent collectively have been worth it. Because if one soul's worth the whole world, Matthew sixteen twenty six then if I spend a billion dollars and get just one person, I've gotten eight billion people essentially in that one individual. Mm -hmm. And so there is that importance of success. But there is a problem that can happen sometimes. I hear people say, well, I'm going to get on this app and I'm going to evangelize on it. (laughs) And sometimes that's a great idea. And sometimes it's the dumbest idea because it's not really an app you need to be on. It's not really an app that's worthy of of preaching the gospel when there are other areas to do it. And so we have this responsibility of evangelizing to the communities but not becoming like them, you know, being in the world but not of the world. What are some dangers in 
doing the social media, you know, spreading of the gospel, which is a part of our work? And what are some things that we need to remember as we try to not be like them while we're in them? Mm. Great question. I think first of all, as as preachers, since all of us are preachers, I think first of all it's good to always to kind of preach and and, and to look at ourselves first. Um, I think when anything we do is always about self examination, and I think as preachers we have a lot of people who follow us, a lot of people who read what we say, and sometimes it's it's so important for us to to put out positive energy versus what's the latest trend. And I get it. You know, sometimes people want to know what's going on, but if my Facebook posts are more about, you know, political than it is yeah. Jesus Christ, then my priorities are all mixed up anyway. Right. And I think knowing my community, knowing the audience, knowing the congregation really helps me and helps all of us better uh, to understand our role as preachers too. Because again, our aim is to convert people to Christ, to help those who are saved, to edify and strengthen them so they can go out and convert others as well. And I think conversations like this really help because I've, I've taken a lot of notes on things I can take back to my congregation and you know try to implement there. And, and I, again, I think it comes down to knowing yourself, knowing your community, but also as preachers, making sure we put ourselves in check to make sure we're, we're sending out energies uh, that are pleasing and acceptable to God. Absolutely. And just because people are in a location, we, we, we mentioned at the beginning of this, we go where the people are. Right. Not all the time. You know, yeah. We don't go to the strip clubs just because people are there. We don't go to the bar just because people are there. Mm-hmm. There are certain places that the Christian is intended to avoid, sure. even though you can preach the gospel. Right. But... That's where the idea of local advertising about the church and other things may reach those individuals because much damage has been done and can be done to the mindset of the Christian that says, well, because people are on this app or they're doing this at this location, I'm expected to go and be there. Mm. Jesus went where the people were, and yet he never committed a sin. And so there's that importance. And even when he was put in a position that they dragged that woman in John 8 in front of him to try to get him to be ensnared by what their trap that they had set, Jesus still handled that without committing a sin. And he handled it in such a way that I need to look at how he handled that situation and say, that's the right way to handle being involved in something that is not necessarily the best place to be and handling it in the right way. Because there is that importance of keeping ourselves pure and not becoming like the world that we're trying to help become Christians. Absolutely you, right. You may be down as a congregation at the county fair, which is, is sort of a, a neutral thing, but in that vicinity you may have people walking by drinking alcohol. Yep. You may have uh, a lascivious-style street dance over here, and you might you might have uh, people using filthy language walking by. Yep. You're going to have some sinful things that, that are passing you. But the thing is, when you see those people walking by and, and they're in sin, clearly, mm-hmm. you still want to look at their souls and say, look, we can try to reach these people. Hey, would you like to have some water? And maybe we can discuss yeah. uh, important things uh, about your soul. And, and we want to remember that, as you said a moment ago, Jesus sat down and he ate with the sinners. Yeah. He did not do so and and uh, sin with them, right. but he, he did so with the purpose of trying to reach their souls. And and we may be in the vicinity to an extent. We, we shouldn't go sit down in a, in a bar. I don't think anybody would agree with doing something like that. But you may be, you know, fairly in the vicinity of some things going on that are sinful. But you don't join in mm-hmm. in the sin, and you do 
look to the center and try to save the center. When I think about Peter, who did the opposite of that, you know, mm-hmm. when he when he went to eat with people, we're told in Galatians chapter two and verse eleven that when Paul came and met with Peter in Antioch, he withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed, and he says, "Why? Before certain men." came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he would withdraw himself and separate from them. And so you look at that and ask the question, why was he withdrawing from the brethren, the Gentile brethren? Because he was a Jew, and he didn't want to be seen with Gentiles, and so he says, I'm not going to eat with you guys because that's going to give the wrong idea. Paul got him straight on that one. And Paul yeah, basically says, you better you better quit that. Yeah, you know, stood him to the face. Yeah, and we have to remember that if the world says something's wrong, that probably means it's right <laughs> because yeah. the world so often does what Isaiah 5 and verse 20 says, woe to them who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, darkness for light, light for darkness. Mm-hmm. The world says this is right, but this is wrong. I need to remember that just because the world says something is wrong or that I think something might be wrong, if God says it's okay, I need to be involved in it. And if it's mm-hmm. not okay, I need to quit it. Peter went too far in his extreme. Right. I'll eat with the Jews without any fear of any type of desolation from my brethren, but I won't eat with the Gentiles. Right. Jesus ate with sinners, but he never condoned what they did. That's right. I have been privileged, as I know all of us have, to eat with people before, to have studies with people before, where we've said to their face in the nicest and most loving way possible, I believe you're wrong, but I love you, yeah. and I want to study with you, and I hope and pray that we can come to an understanding of what this says. Just because I sit down with someone who's in sin does not make me a sinner. Otherwise, Jesus would have to be one too. Exactly. Now, do you all have any closing thoughts or comments on this idea of going out into the community before we close out for the day? I think one thing, taking it back to Jesus, Luke 19.10 is one of the purpose statements. We have a few of them in the New Testament. I come to seek and to save the lost. You can't seek and save the lost if you're not willing to sit with them. And Jesus was willing to do that. And like you said, he wasn't sitting there to say, hey, you keep doing what you're doing. I'm right here with you. I endorse it. You're fine. Right, right. He sat with them of the goal of seeking and saving them. Right. So that needs to be our goal in our communities. Remember Titus 2, 11 and 12. We are yeah. to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Yep. We're in the world, but we can't be of it. That's sit, right. Sit with them to save them. Don't sit with them in the sense of Psalm 1 where you're sitting there you down. Right. You walk yeah. by and you stand right. and look and then you sit down to partake in the sin. Right. Don't, don't That's do right. That. Well, thank you so much for being with us this week on the Scattered Abroad Network for our joint podcast. Uh, Just as a reminder, you can check out our show notes below for any information concerning our network. Don't forget about the other shows that air on the network throughout the week. And we want you to remember that as we all strive to please God in our lives, we want to serve Him, live for Him, no matter our location. So on behalf of everyone here at Scattered Abroad Network, thank you so much and God bless. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.